Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Yes, Cam Smith here. Uh, across from me, I do have Carl Chapman, who moves like lightning when he's uh, when he's getting everybody organised. Shannon Martinez, <laughs> hello. Are you there? <laughs> I'm here. How are you? God, mate, you are you you are there, and you sound dangerous. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. This bloody chemo brain of mine. I totally forgot about this. So I'm actually out shopping. <laughs> oh no way! Really? What yeah, you... the produce is good today. What, what, are you, what are you buying? Where Where are you? I'm just a big Italian, you know, I've decided. I'm craving it. So I've been to uh, Elfieson. Yeah. And stuff is looking good. All this rain has um, made all the produce amazing. Pro- produce is bouncing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did some Italian last night. I did the uh, <laughs> a little bit close to midnight puttanesca. Oh, I did. <laughs> Which <laughs> might, might give you an idea of the state that I was in when I thought, I need to eat pasta at 11.30. But it was awesome. I love it. That's the best time to eat it. Oh, uh, yeah, isn't it? it? Yeah, I love it. I it, love it. it. It really was. And so, yeah, the, the capers hit the pan. And, uh, and But that's um, – I didn't use your recipe. Rude. But Rude. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, but I was actually going to use – do a recipe in front of that from this awesome new book. And we're looking, I'm looking at it because I am so lucky I've got a bloody copy of it. It's called Vegan with Bite, uh, subtitled Because Taste Matters, um, by you, Shannon Martinez. And this is your That's third me. one. I know, pretty exciting. Huh? This is, um, it's, it's, this, like, it's, it kind of baffles me that I've got three now. And I'm actually, you know, I'm working on a fourth and then there'll be a fifth. No way, really? Well, look, yeah, this way. this is the way. Okay, say way. Um, this is your best one yet, in my humble in my humble opinion. Just quietly, I agree with you. Shit, it just rocks. <laughs> um, first of all, what what size is it? Because it's this. It's published by Hardy Grant, and it's beautifully yep. presented, mm-hmm. but it's sort of compact. It's yeah. Well, we wanted to make a affordable book. I mean, this, you know, this was all written before. Uh, Everything, COVID, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's you kind mean of perfect B- timing. BC. This was BC. Yeah, BC. Yeah, babe. It went BC. <laughs> yeah, BC. So you know, this is we 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 obviously hadn't planned for it, but it worked out perfect. But you know, we have this book that's a little bit smaller, mm. bit easier to deal with, cheaper as well. We wanted to make this book really affordable because that's kind of the point of this book in general. The recipes are ingredients are affordable, so you know the size of the book sort of reflects that. And what better timing? Yeah. In COVID, to bring out a budget-friendly book. How much is this budget-friendly book, Shannon? Well, you know, I've seen it anywhere from like twenty-four bucks no. to like thirty-seven. So really? depends where you buy it from. So yeah, it's, it's bargain. way, way, way under the uh, way under the fifty. Way under the, yeah, the massively. The yeah. Oka you can get two yeah. and give on for Christmas to somebody. Oh wow! What a great idea! And you can hey, just yeah. try, and, uh, uh. try and jam that thing in a stocking. Might, yeah. might destroy the stocking, but at least you get a good book, huh? Yeah, but at least all our stockings are bigger after COVID, you know, so maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, so um, I've been looking through this book. Um, one thing that just comes out with this is just there is just so much yum in this book. And that's um, th- there is so much that I'm looking through and I just want to cook. 
And also, no, where I'm just got to get this. Where Kent, aka Panel Beater. You haven't. I, I don't know if you've met. You might have met Kent if you came in. His quote was after looking through it. This is just a little bit excellent. <laughs> and I went. Oh, that's nice. No, no. And I thought you want to hear that. Um, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, look over to you. What was the? You know, what were the driving things for doing this book? Hmm. So this one was, um, you know, I wanted to sort of shorten the ingredient listing on things, even though it's still kind of long, but for me it's short. You know, I think when you're talking vegan food and, you know, you're pulling ingredients out that normally would make a dish if they're not vegan, hmm. you have to replace them with things. So, you know, the, it's spice-heavy. The list might be long, but it's not hard ingredients. We're talking lots of spices and, you know, beautiful vinegar and stuff like that, but nothing major. Yeah. But this is stuff that I make at home. And things that are just, like, crave-worthy, you know? Um, so it's, it's basically the sort of stuff that I eat on the couch. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah. All, we're, we're all for that. And in a way, if I can paraphrase in a way, this is sort of like your Ottolenghi simple. I guess it is in a way. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm saying that because, look, Ottolenghi was, you know, we all bow to him as being, you know, the master of some great tasty food. But some of it was so daunting to cook and then finally he brought out this other book called Simple, which was the most approachable and that people can just look at and go, yeah, I can cook that. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, it's important to do that now. So I think, you know, everyone's sort of short on time, well, not currently, but when we get back to our normal, you know, we've, we've got shit to do, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got, we've got such, and we can't maybe always spend an hour, two hours on dinner, you know, and I think what happens with a lot of vegans is there's a lot of thought that has to go into it beforehand. So, you know, back in the day, there's a lot of soaking of nuts and dehydrating and activating and all that sort of shit, and we're not doing that with this one. This is uh, dinner on the table in half an hour, screaming kids, whatever it may be. You don't want to have to think about it too much. Uh, so the point of this book was definitely to cater for people in that position. Yeah, you know, there's not a there's not an activated almond to be seen in this book. Never, you'll never see me with an which, activated almond. <laughs> which is which is a good thing, but um, I don't even um, know what that is. Activated, yeah. Let's not even go there. But um, yeah. now, um, dishes that are there. Um, first of all, I just want to quickly start off with um, breakfast, mainly because of just uh, just it, I I had to pick myself up off the floor. Carl's looking at me going, what's wrong, man? You, do I need a Heinrich manoeuvre on you? No, I'm just trying to say Shannon's breakfasts are kind of bizarre. Those breakfasts of yours as a kid. Can you describe that to us? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've made it pretty clear in the book that I don't like breakfast. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it's a European thing. I don't know. Like, I'm having coffee. So, yeah. And then that'll do me, you know. But... When I think about breakfast, to me, I think yumcha. That's that's my ultimate breakfast. You oh, know? me too. It, and yeah. how much do we miss yumcha? But anyway, that's another thing. More yeah, than yeah. anything, oh, I think. No. More yeah. than anything, yumcha. That's we'll have to go. Yeah, for a little bit, going to yumcha. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll take you up on that. Um, but you know, when I was a kid, um, my grandfather on the Spanish side, uh, I used to get this weird breakfast. That obviously I didn't think it was weird at the time when I was four or five years old. So coffee, hot milk poured into a bowl, and then you tear bread into it. So I thought that was kind of cereal. And you called that Spanish cereal that Spanish sort of cereal. <laughs> makes, makes you kind of zingy. I'm just trying to think of, you know, a four-year-old Shannon Martin is just bouncing off walls. 
Well, imagine me now, 200,000, really, because, I mean, maybe that's why I am the way I am. Yeah, ricochet rabbit with, yeah. a, with a Spanish accent, my God. So, anyway, that, so that was, um, that, it was just an interesting thing. But there's um, lots of really, really great um, brekkie ideas. Uh, Kent got a, a very excited about the, your uh, vegan okonomiyaki. Oh, yeah, and that one from my old chef that it's made, they actually, they actually drew the comic that we spoke about the other week. Hang about, Shannon, I'm going to get you just to move five feet either way just because we're just breaking up a little bit, if you could, please. How are, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's good. Carl's going, yeah, okay. it's good. Okay. We're good, okay. Yep. So the, uh, yeah, that recipe is actually from one of my old apprentices, Samara, who wrote the comic book that we spoke about the other week. Oh, yes. How's that? Um, <laughs> Yeah, we need to get back to that. Can you remind me about that before yeah, we finish sure. in about three or four minutes? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so she wrote that, and I do like to incorporate some recipes from my staff in there because they're such an integral part of my business. Mm. Um, so that was one of her all-star dishes that we used to do at the deli. So I asked her to come on in and uh, give that one away to everybody. So yeah, everyone is very lucky to get that recipe. Yeah, no, that's, um, that, that is a, a good one to have. Um, in As well as, you know, a whole bunch of recipes, there's a lot of guides. There's an ethos about why you do what you do. But an interesting thing, and I think this is really, really good for people to, to get this book, is pantry advice as to what you should be getting. And, and one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Shannon, but your prejudice just astounds me. And, and I'm a little bit disappointed in the, the fact of there is only one paprika in the world. Yeah, yeah. Spanish. What have you got against Hungarians? It's Hungarians except the paprika. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just forget it. <laughs> Listen, if your paprika has the word hoits on the front of it, just chuck it straight in the bin. Okay, all right. Well, okay, yeah. there you go. That's from Shannon. Sorry, the, the imperial imperative <laughs> from the Spaniard has come through. There shall be only one paprika. Well, there's two. One smoked and one sweet. And that's exactly. cool. And we won't fight. Um, okay. But um, um, the, the other thing, there's, there's so many beautiful things. Jeez, I'm really giving a, a bloody raving review on this thing. But it is. Yeah. Um, I the sauces are great. You've got the classics from, you know, your, your green onion sauce for your Hainese chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, what? It, okay. No, I was in there, like, what's seen me popular. I'm just watching what everyone's cooking from that book. And the Jandan noodles seem to be the winner so far. Yes. And, um, and, and I put the Marpo Choco in there because that's just, I mean, is there a more perfect dish, really, than Marpo Choco? I mean, it's just so good. And I think it's one of the most. Um, it's the easiest recipe that I've found to be able to veganize without losing anything. Can you describe the dish for people that might not have ever tried it? Because Carl's looking at me going, what's this dandan thing you're talking about? Oh, dandan noodles or the mapo? Uh, well, um, dandan? Dandan, dandan noodles. I sort of know mapu tofu, but yeah, maybe a quick description yeah, of both of those. Yeah, so dandan is amazing. So it's a dressing made from, it's like a sesame paste. And you can get a Chinese sesame paste. But, you know, tahini also works perfectly. So you're mixing those sort of creamy, nutty flavors along with those Szechuan flavors that, you know, everyone loves. Like that numbing, hot, spicy. And then you have some vinegar through there. It's just the mixture of the two of them together, so you're creamy and hot together. Then you have the pickled um, mustard greens through there too. You've got this slippery sort of noodle, and then you've got this beautiful spicy minced meat on the top, and then fresh cucumbers and um, blanched bok choy. It's just an all-rounder. 
Uh, and there's there's lots of great and even golden syrup dumplings, which is like something from I don't know the 1950s, but uh, it's still good. Yeah, I, I actually didn't realise. I, I I grew up in England, so I thought everyone did. But people have told me that they've never heard of them before, and this is when I realised that this is an old school yeah, it's, you know, country it, women's association kind of thing. Yeah, it's so old school that it's almost a, a lost thing, and we we need to bring it back. It's um, so um, It's so easy to. Um, uh, geez, I don't know, Shannon. You know, look, folks out there, I'm a fan of Shannon and, and a fan of what she does and uh, just her ability to, just to, to keep on going. And a third cookbook is just awesome. I love this book. The great thing is you don't need to be vegan to... Hell no. ...to, to get this book. There are so many of these uh, recipes that I will do fully vegan, but there's some that I will do that I look at and I can just go... Oh, I can just put an egg in that, and and we're cool, so, Maurice. Yeah, that's the point of this book. It's like we'll we'll, we'll change the way we eat now. Um, yeah. So this book isn't really directed just at vegan; it's just for everyone. And I think we're all reducing our intake of animal products. Yes, you know, meat, dairy, all that sort of thing. Um, and that might be a little bit daunting to some people, but it doesn't need to be. So this book is just to make it really simple, really easy for people. You still eat exactly the same things that you love to eat. You just got to make some little switch ups. Yeah, so the book is called Vegan with Bite Power um, Brackets because taste matters. Uh, before we do go, um, you alluded to the fact that chemo sucks and that's because of um, this condition that you're battling and we are all there behind you to, to will you through this. But one thing you've done is you've done a comic book and, and how is that going with your... It's did you say tomorrow? Oh, really? Yeah, with Tamara. Yes, it's off the printers. Everyone's going to be receiving it next week. So you can still order it if you want to. So it's called The Adventures of Chuck, and it's my friends who have come, you know, to my aid during this whole bullshit cancer thing, and they take me to hospital and help me with treatment. Mm. Um, So I've turned them into superheroes. So I'm donating all the money from the sales of that comic book to um, cancer research, but the more unknown types of cancers, which is why I have triple negative breast cancer. So, you know, not only do you get to help a good cause, but you get a sick comic drawn by one of the best tattoo artists in Australia. Yeah, which, um, as you said, you sort of pushed her out the door to say, you draw well, you should do this for a living. 100%, exactly. Oh. So, yeah, The Adventures of Chuck, you can look it up on uh, Instagram and order through there through Some Kind Press, which I'm sure you know, Vaughan, who has been bringing out amazing little cookbooks from all the restaurants around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's all good. Well, um, good luck with the rest of the shopping. Uh, I Thank hope you. you get to have a nice, uh, relaxing afternoon. Congratulations on the book. Um, and um, it gets my recommendation. So, yeah. Thank you well, so much. Well, that's all that matters to me. No, Thank the, you. Don't you say that. Did, did you, <laughs> you stop that. Um, Shannon Martinez, <laughs> pleasure to speak to you as always. You too, Bobby. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There she is. Off she goes to, uh, to pick up some stuff at the market. We actually didn't find out where she actually was. No, but I'm back. Shopping, some <laughs> secret shopper somewhere out there. We have the redoubtable, the wonderful Danny Valant. A very good afternoon Hi. to you. Thanks for stepping in like that. Oh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. And I do think As that, is you. <laughs> I think, it, look, um, restaurants and the people that love them haven't got everything that they might have hoped for today. Yep. That's the news from Daniel Andrews um, regarding... Restrictions in the hospitality industry, we definitely have progress. I think it's good news. Well, tell us, um, so what are the basic things? Um, Carl came in um, because 
I was sort of busy with um, my head down in the computer beforehand, and he said the first thing was 25-kilometre radius, we can now travel. Is that... Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you can drive further for your favourite takeaway. So that's good. You can do that yeah. as of tomorrow. Yes. Um, and also, as of tomorrow, if you're in regional Victoria... Um, the hospitality uh, capacity has been increased, so up to 70 outside and up to 40 inside. But again, that's 10 people per space. So that won't oh, yeah. mean that okay. a lot of restaurants won't necessarily be able to increase their capacity on that. Yes. Um, but in Metro Melbourne, the news that so many of us have been hanging on from Monday, November 2, so what? that is 11.59 on Sunday, no- November 1, yes. hospitality is allowed to open. So that's 20 people inside, but th- that means 10 people in each space of up to two spaces and 50 outside. So it's on and it's on on for Cup Day. Yes. Um, And, look, it's good. I think it's really good. You know, a lot of people are hoping to be able to open for Grand Final. That's not going to happen. But next Sunday, the Premier did flag that if the numbers continue to look good, um, that next Sunday... That November 2 date may indeed be brought forward by some days. So there's an, there's a possibility that that November 2 date will, will come a little bit closer. Um, yeah. But whatever happens, we're on track and we will be eating in restaurants or outside restaurants. Or outside a restaurant. And uh, the one thing is going to be uh, we will now be witnessing um, another transformation of Melbourne, don't you think, Danny, in the fact that... Uh, we're going to see a, a change in the way that we perceive eating and the way that we do eat because um, a lot of it is going to be looking at opportunities to eat outside. So al fresco eating is going to be big. It's going to be big. And look, we, you know, when you start talking al fresco in Melbourne, anyone that lives here knows that that is not a. It's an entirely sure prospect. We know that we do have, you know, numerous seasons in one day. But what can (laughs) we do? It is a pandemic. We need to do what we can. And there are so many people getting creative and thinking about, you know, can we close this laneway? Can we use the parking space um, for for more tables? So, look, there are lots of conversations going on with, you know, landlords, councils, um, combing of regulations. It's, It's a really... It's a tricky space and every business is different because every business has got different neighbours. Every business has got a different backyard. You know, some people have got outdoor infrastructure already. Exactly. Um, So, look, it's not simple, but, um, yeah, apparently simplicity, certainty and pandemics don't go together. I tell you what I'd really love to have is a, a monopoly on market umbrellas. Yeah, you'd be, I think you'd be you... making some good coin selling an, out, yeah. an, out, an outdoor furniture. But, but also, folks, bear in mind, you know, the fact that this is going to be expensive to set up, isn't it, Danny? And one of the things that maybe people don't think about a lot is that just the simple idea of chairs, chairs are quite a big expense, aren't they? Look, all that stuff is expensive. Mm. There are grants around, but a lot of the actual, you know, get the actual money people have been waiting for the rules and it's not as simple as you know no one's but no one's waved a magic wand and made this simple or inexpensive um, no. and it's not an even playing field some people are lucky that they already had you know outdoor infrastructure or they've got a great space um but yeah most businesses don't have extra money floating around to buy chairs you can't just bring your your um inside chairs outside in many in most cases, that's not going to work. As you, as you mentioned, you mentioned umbrellas. I think people mm. will also be thinking about heaters. They'll also be thinking about, you know, bollards or, you know, traffic yeah, separation. Little... As much as people say that, you know, Picket we want to cut fences. the red tape. 
Yeah, a lot of the red tape's there. Yes. For safety. You know, you don't want someone, you know, tipping a chair back into a tram. So we don't want to, we want to cut the red tape to the point that Perish it's unsafe. Yeah, we want to eat outside. We want to have, you know, those glorious, dreamy alfresco moments. <laughs> oh, my and, God. Yeah. And just, yes. and just to, one, for, you know, restaurants to do what they do, which is make people happy and and serve people because, you know, that's, that's the thing that um, the restaurant industry misses so much. They're customers. Yeah, totally. Look, it's, um, we as customers need to go to restaurants. It makes us feel good. And the restaurant people in that true spirit of hospitality want to um, give us those beautiful experiences. You know, I was speaking to a caterer during the week, Cam um, Sophie Storen from Cook's Food, and, and mm. she, as all caterers do, they can deal with anything. They're used to being <laughs> yes, unable to control the elements yes. in a way that, that restaurants are used to being able to control their environments. Caterers are, used, caterers are used to not being able to control anything. And I think, think her words were really great. You know, she was like, to deal with everything in a spirit of fun, um, to mm. be completely unflappable. So if it's too hot, give people bowls of ice on the table and they'll think they're in Saint-Tropez. Yes. If there's mosquitoes coming through, you just get out the rid and the coil. Yeah, go um, on. You know, if there's, you know, she's talked about, you know, you gaffering tablecloths to poles to, you know, provide a bit of a wind or a rain break. So it's going to be challenging. Everybody knows that. But I think there will at least be some opportunity for us to gather in our beloved restaurants, cafes and pubs again. It's going to be like the world's longest lunch, but all around Melbourne. Well, that's it. I mean, I think, you know, that's that's the spirit of optimism that is going to get us somewhere. And I think if you've been to those beautiful Melbourne Food and Wine Festival events like World's Longest Lunch, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you really need your hat and your sunscreen. Sometimes you need your shawl. Um, yes. You just need to huddle. You need, but, you uh, need a broly or, yes. That's it. But they're memorable occasions and they're Melbourne occasions. And I think, you know, we're going to be there for them. Mm. And I think there's a hope, actually, that this might even become permanent. I mean, the investment that's going into, as you say, those outdoor parasols and the chairs and the tables, uh, reallocating the street space, the, the pavement space, um, I reckon if people have that for six to nine months, they're going to get used to it. And I reckon there would be a, a strong desire to keep that going. Mm. Danny? Yeah, I think that so much of what we've seen this year is going to persist. You know, people have added other income streams to their business, you know, with, you know, really great takeaway offerings. I don't think they're going to go anywhere for the for the most part. We'll still be able to have incredible in-home dining experiences. And I think you're right. You know, I think as people get that outdoor infrastructure um, going and as, as communities become used to having these public spaces that are theirs to gather in, I don't think people are going to want to give a lot of that space back to cars. And I think we'll we'll want to hang out, hang on to it. We'll have discovered a new resilience and new ways that we can, um, yeah, use our places, our public places, and those businesses to to gather in and yeah, just create those Melbourne memories. It's the thing about this species that we are. We one of the things that we do so well is adapt, because we have to, and we've had to in the past. And uh, I think maybe some people might be a little bit, uh, they might not want to give up going to golf courses, because apparently with the golf courses closed, a lot of people were having picnics and wandering around the fairways. They might have to be chased off the the fourth tee after a while. Well, 
I mean, my dad loves golf. I couldn't. Mm. I, I want him to be happy, but I reckon yes. <laughs> giving the golf courses to the public for picnics is a very good idea. And um, I know that Elstonwick Golf Course has been transformed into public space over my side of town. And yes. It's you know it's still a work in progress, but it's fantastic. You know it's a bird sanctuary. There's kids on bikes. I mean, it, and when it was a golf course, it was um, it wasn't extremely well used. No. And it was never used by me. So it's not all about me. But um, and sorry, Dad. But um, yeah, I think I think we've got so many great golf courses in Melbourne. Surely we could share a few of them. Yeah, come on, do it. Um... <laughs> So, uh, so that's it. It's it's uh, poco y poco, little by little. We go a long way. Hopefully, um, we certainly can travel more, and as you say, we can travel more to get our favourite takeaways, and also get. Oh my God! It's, I'm, I'm going to be able to go to the market because I haven't because of the the footprint that I'm in. I haven't been able to go to South Melbourne. Haven't been able to go to Paran. Certainly haven't been able to go to the Queen Victoria, and I'm dying to. To go to a market stall. Um, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Pie Thief in Footscray and have one of their oh. burger in a pie pies. I was drooling over a photo of that yesterday. Tell me, tell me more about that. What's the place? Pie Thief. It's a tiny. Um, there are there are a couple of seats, but um, as we know, we we can't sit down there anyway yep, uh, for it. a couple more weeks, but. Uh, yeah, pie, just super creative pies, and um, yeah, just they're all delicious. All the ones that I've had that I had one of their that had lasagna in a pie that was very memorable. <laughs> but I saw on Instagram wow. yesterday um, American Burger in a pie, and I don't know, like you know, when you look at an image and the world goes quiet yes. and, you know, it wouldn't matter if someone tapped you on the shoulder. You just needed to sit with that image a little I, bit longer. I, I mean, sure, some people do it to the Mona Lisa and great works of art, but I was doing it to a burger in a pie and I was very much had a moment. Going, so wow. um, now it's in my radius. I'm coming for it. Yeah, yeah, come for it. And you can get some cannoli too from... Um, uh, yes, ca- some Cavaleros. Cavaleros, yes. And, yep. and say hi to them. Uh, also, you're still um, feeding people on Thursdays? Yeah, so the Attica Soup Project is continuing. Um, yeah, look, uh, unfortunately we've seen increased demand yes. um, for that over the past month. And I say unfortunately not because we don't love um, looking after the people that come, but no, it just because shows it's, the need it's in a the community. Sad, sad reality, yep. Yeah, so we're looking after about 60 um, temporary visa holders who've lost their jobs in hospitality each week. So Wednesdays we make soup and Thursdays we give it away along with um, a bag of groceries and some fruit and veg. And, yeah, look, it's a really – it's fun making the soup. It's I've made lots of friends um, mm. through that process and, yeah, just got to know a lot of people in the community and just tried to stand beside them as they're going through this difficult time. They're all hanging on the date of reopening, of course, as everyone sure. in hospitality is. But yeah, to um, just to uh, yeah stretch um, their resources out a few more weeks until hopefully they start to get their jobs back. Well, on behalf of the community, I want to say thank you, Danny, for the, the work that you've been doing. Oh, look, there's so many people. I doing know. Uh, just really just good say no. And, just say thank. Um, you. Just say thank you, Cam. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Seriously, yeah, I know, I know. Just take it. Um, the other thing I want to just draw attention to one of the things that um, I just marvel at is how heroic and fabulous um, 
my peeps are in this industry that have been able to um, keep getting out of bed and doing things and just approach it with with some notions of humour. And, and one of them that just made me crack up was Ben Shuri in a mullet kicking a French loaf around the ground. Can you describe it for us? <laughs> so Attic is doing a grand final takeaway offering. They've got Baker Blue to make a football-shaped loaf and Ben and his um, sous chef, Matt, yes. dressed up as complete bogans with oh. mullets and sort yeah. of handmade footy jumpers potato, and kicked it potato, around the local potato. oval. It was... Um, it was, it was pretty hilarious. They um, did a good job of looking intense. I oh. was with Ben at the Soup Project on Thursday, and he yes. was wearing shorts, and I was like, oh, shorts. And shorts. He's like, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to make a footy video later. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then, um, whatever, man. I saw the video. I actually offered him some um, kicking coaching because I'm pretty good on the old drop punt. He didn't take me up on it, and I think that um, yeah. you can see that, that in the video. He could have uh, gone yeah. a bit further. Oh, uh, well, with yeah, the kick weather, it long. But that's all right. Take it where you can. It does look like a pretty good uh, grand final offering. It's Lots of um, restaurants are doing great things for grand final. So, yeah, check out your locals, support them. And, um, yeah, with your, in your households, you're allowed to watch the grand final. At least it's to Victorian teams. Hurrah! And it's, uh, and it's called the Nacho Stick. And I reckon – I don't know if he's called it that. I've called it the Nacho Stick. Um, yeah. But uh, there have been, been so many places that are just – Keep on going. Like, you know, my buddies at Ballerina, you just keep doing stuff. Joseph Argetto um, has been cooking and photographing some of the most beautiful food I've seen, I reckon. It's tireless. I think he started about 50 different businesses over the past <sighs> seven months. Um, yeah. And, look, they're all great. His food is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, always, he's so creative. As you say, so many people... Um, applying their creativity to the situation and they will continue to do so. I know that, you know, at the moment as the new rules come out, people are sort of combing over the various restrictions, you know, 10 people per dining space. It it doesn't necessarily make it, you know, viable for a business to open. It certainly doesn't make it easy. Uh, So we're we're far from out of the woods, but I think um, we know that we're getting there and we all are bloody legends for (laughs) uh, getting those case numbers down and and coming through lockdown. I'm watching the news from overseas at the moment and so many cities in in Europe are now closing their restaurants or severely restricting their operating and making it so, making it basically unworkable for businesses to operate even if they're allowed to do so and we just do not want to be there. So no, I think we we've don't. done an amazing job. We've got to come out of it slowly and safely. Um, and follow and, you science. Know, by following the health advice yeah. and we are getting there. We've shown that we can do it and I know that the Melbourne community is going to be there when we're allowed to to support all the restaurants, cafes, bars and, and pubs that we love so much. Keep that support coming from your favourite restaurants and support this industry and and, of course, that's going to go broad, broader too when we start thinking about tourism and, uh, and remember a thing called the arts, my God. But, uh, Danny, you're a legend. Thank you. You're actually a legend, Cam. Aris, damn it. Um, <laughs> now you're going to make me blush. Damn, the shoe's on the other <laughs> foot now. Uh, Danny, always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, look forward you to maybe seeing you in the studio and breaking bread with you sometime. God, that would be good. 
Wouldn't that be fantastic? I'm Would sure it's going to happen it before too long. Be nice. Stay strong. Stay strong, everyone. And, um, yeah, eat some food. Will do. Okay. Thank you, Danny. We found John. He's at the market. Hey. Yes, I'm at the market sitting on a chair. Uh, what? What chair? When have you had a chair at the market? Well, we've got a little bit of a lull, so I'm having a little break because um, when you guys rang about 10 minutes ago, I had a bit of a rush on. Yeah, that's what we thought. We said, I said someone was going to buy 60 kilos of tomatoes or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living the life. Hey, guess what? Maybe next week I might even be able to come down and see you. I believe so. Uh, I've heard the rumour room, mill tells me 25 kilometres, which is good. I'm sorry. That's uh, very unprofessional and bad radio. Um, and my apologies, listeners. Uh, John, it is a little bit quiet there, but the uh, the great news is that, uh, as Shannon was saying, we were speaking of Shannon Martinez from Smith & Daughters before, and she said, you know, all this rain, it's making the produce look pretty damn good. Always, because the rain uh, is the best thing for the veggies. It oxygenates the ground and... Um, mm washes all the little bugs that are on the plants away so, you know, they don't need to use so many chemicals. Yep. And like everything, you know, you get a little bath and you feel a million dollars. So the veggies are the same. <laughs> it's good to be clean, isn't it? Definitely. We, we, we so, like, like that. So um, where are we? I mean, it's so weird. I haven't seen you for so long and all I've been looking at is bloody, you know, shopping under the fluorescent lights of... I yeah. hate to well, say it, but you know we're very, very lucky because um, all the veggies are really vibrant, so yep. we can't complain too much. Some of the veggies from North Queensland and that have suffered a little bit because it's been really hot during the day, and then, you know, they've had um, some wind as well, which knocks the um, no, produce around a bit. Yeah. But uh, the, the eggplant is still beautiful there, um, the softer variety, so when you pick them up, they've got a little bit of give. Now, these eggplants very rarely have any seed in the middle. They're always white. They're nice and sweet. They're not bitter, so you don't have to salt them to prepare them. And um, the same with the zucchini. The zucchini all got scratch marks on the outside. but That's from the um, wind? Because of the wind, yes. Yeah, but they're um, nice and firm and dark green colour, uh, a good size, not too big, not too small. Um, you know, and there's so many things you can do with them. We had... Um, a vegetable frittata the other day and it had a lot of zucchini and carrots and that and the colours were spectacular. It's amazing the difference between a young zucchini and uh, and when they sort of officially go into the marrow because there's they just taste well, so... Even, even before they get to the marrow, some of them are um, um, a little bit better than an egg in, in girth and when they get to that stage... Um, the consistency starts to change. Um, some varieties are already starting to form seed inside, mm. so they can be a little bit stronger. Some can be a little bit bitter. Uh, younger zucchini is always nice and juicy and, and young and white inside. Um, nice to steam or pack last minute into a casserole or something like that. When they get a little bit bigger, we slice them long ways and we either crumb them or batter them and fry them or... You know, the really big ones, you can scoop out the inside and um, fill them up with whatever you want, have a meal out of um, one zucchini nearly. Yeah, well, it's sort of, you sort of make them look like a, 
Uh, what did someone describe them to me as? Like little shoes where you uh, you sort of hollow them out and then you're able to fill them up with, uh, if you are a carnivore, you fill them up with mincemeat like lamb and pine nuts and things go really, really well. What, yeah, what yeah. would an Italian fill it up with? Because that's sort of a little bit more Middle, Middle Eastern, maybe Turkish. Doing... Uh, it depends what you fancy. We, we use crumbs or meat. Yeah. Um, I've sold some, excuse me, to some of the girls and have stuffed them with rice and um, um, and then cooked them in a um, tomato sauce and the, the rice really pumps up and you oh, think that the skin of the skin is going to burst, but they're beautiful. They hang in so there. So whatever does it for you, there are no real rules. Everyone likes a different meat, rice, breadcrumbs. They all come up beautiful. Mm. Now, um, uh, what about fruit? Um, how's Robbie anyway? You're, um, uh, you, my my neighbour is he's coming back to life. He's still got problems with his back. He came back to work, but oh, did he, he left about an hour ago, and he's left the boys here. Oh shit! See, this is I miss out on all this drama. That's no good. Can you um, yeah. pass on my regards to him? Robbie Chen? So next I, to I will, yes. next to the Italians at the Queen Victoria Market at Tomato City because and it represents this multicultural place we live in, you have the Chinese next to you, and they uh, they have sort of different lines, a little bit more fruit. Um, yeah, a little bit more fruit, a better quality fruit, like you've got beautiful pines that they... Have you um, had a mango yet? Yeah, I, I've had some beautiful KPs. Now, I heard that because Ooh, there what, are what's no... A, what's a KP? Hang on, I've got to stop. Kensington Pride. The only mango in the world to eat. Yeah, and I'll tell you there's a pretender, so I'll tell you about that in a minute. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Because there's no backpackers up north, they've been bulk packing um, the mangoes, but mostly they're still picking the ugly ones. So yeah. they're taking all the ugly ones that have been scratched by the leaves mm. and um, bulk packing them and sending them down. And they've been selling them for $2 a piece, which is not bad. That's good. For the early ones from the Northern Territory. Yeah. Um, we've had a feast with them. Um, the, the nice, pretty ones have been selling about $4 each. But there's um, an elongated variety, like a long eggplant. You know the Lebanese eggplant? Yeah. They're maha something. Um, Does it look a bit like a Philippine and... sort of mango? Yeah. That, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. that shape. Yeah, yeah. But this is one that ripens up and it's sweet. And Benny had them at $10 a kilo and I bought three, uh, which weighed a kilo. Yeah. And um, I am still addicted to a Kensington Pride. I don't think that you'll ever beat them, but he reckons and, that the customers have been very, very happy with them. And and dare we say it, here, here it is for me, um, John, in the fact that the Kensington Pride, first of all, has um, it's not too fibrous because um, mangoes can get a bit fibrous, but it is just that balance between sugar and sourness. There's this beautiful balance and there is no other mango that really comes close to that that's right um like, yeah there's um you know like i said they're all pretenders yeah. like the r2e2 so, well, which is a big oh, I can't a big yeah but yeah, it looks great i mean it'd be great in a hamper you know or something like that but they're too sweet there's not enough there's not enough acid in there to to carry it carry it over for me, they taste like kerosene. I've got two girls here carrying a beautiful big jack lantern pumpkin. Oh. They're going to get ready for Halloween. I can see party, party written all over their face. <laughs> Look out. 
All right, yeah, and yeah. don't don't forget, folks. Uh, the yeah, Halloween of course has its challenges this year, um, <laughs> but you know I, I, that's like a yeah, um, that's like a yeah. Um, I'm trying not to swear. I'm thinking of something that involves a swear word, so I'm censoring myself so we don't frighten the children. Um, now, uh, other fruits that are around that are that are good. Are we seeing any stone fruit? It's probably a little bit early to be eating stone fruit, or it is a little bit early. I'm not quite sure if the stone fruit that it's around is Australian. Yeah. Joseph was telling me they are, but we'll wait till it's warm. Um, I, I don't. I hope. Hopefully that the American stone fruit that we see has gone because um, I didn't even bother looking at it. Yeah. I was looking at across the road at Stephen, uh, little Stephen's stand. Yes. There's an abundance of bananas, uh, even the organic bananas. He's been selling them a couple of bucks a kilo. They're the ones with the wax on the end. Oh, yeah. Um, there's still three or four different varieties of mandarins available. Uh, Still, big pile huh? of mangoes, rock melons, yeah. avocados, anything from two fifty to four dollars each for a, a big firm avo. These these are uh, all hass. Nice and creamy. These are all the hass um, avos. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's got some um, imported pears, which we won't talk about. He's got Australian nashi fruit there, which are nice. Mm. We've got the small variety there. Um, yeah, a little bit smaller than a tennis ball, and they look ugly, but when you peel them back, they're beautifully raw. You can even poach them. Which which of these? Um, Sorry, which of these? The nashi. Oh, nashi. Oh, yeah. You know, one of my favourite salads, and uh, a salad of cos, lettuce, um, nashi, and walnuts with a with a nice sort of gentle vinaigrette. Is, that's good. Yeah, it sounds good. It's good flavours. What's for dinner tonight? Uh, are, you tonight in, are you in the good books? Uh, we're going to have a... Quick pasta tonight. We're going to get exotic tomorrow night. We, I bought a butterfly, butterfly leg of um, lamb. lamb, and yeah. we're going to stuff that and um, sear it in a pan and then slow cook for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may even do that in a ragu. I don't know. We were having a discussion about that last night. And then I bought two rainbow trouts. So oh, I'm going to get really? spoiled. What are you yeah, doing with them? Gonna, um, We'll, we'll put a little bit of bread stuffing in them and put them in the oven and um, not too long. And then we'll, we'll have the, a feast with a, a few broad beans because i got some beautiful broad beans here, five bucks a kilo. Oh, broad They've been beans. Running Damn us. I still haven't had a broad bean. Oh, I'll see you, you next hurry week. Up and get out of here, mate. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll yeah. have millions next week. Oh, good. You know the French do a really good dish with trout? Yeah. I'm just trying to be provocative. I I, um, I think I can do better. <laughs> I, I, I love the trout. I, I really like my my favourite trout is smoked trout. Oh, nothing me too. better than a, a Victorian smoked trout because I reckon, um, you know, we got some old guys out there in um, Central Victoria, North Victoria that catch the fish and smoke them and send them down to Melbourne and they do a magic job. And um, I like to get some soft cheese and break the trout down into the soft cheese and have it on a cracker. But oh. um, this week we're going to have the, a fresh trout, so it'll be beautiful. Oh, that sounds good. I like yeah. Smoked trout also goes really well with like potato salad. Oh yeah, that yeah. is good. And a lot of people don't like it. I don't understand. Oh, well, you know this, but that's that's the thing. We're it makes us we're all different, and uh, and the great thing is that uh, we celebrate that difference. And ah, uh, geez, John, I miss you. Gee, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. I am too because we've got an abundance of everything here. Mm. Asparagus are still jumping. 
you can buy anything from eight to twelve dollars a kilo, and there's no waste on them. Yep. The weather's been really good for them. They've had the right rain, the right weather, so there's no waste on them at all. You just cut um, a millimeter off the bottom and throw them in the pan. It's just good. Yep. Well. Uh, normally we'd say pick of the market, but unfortunately we don't have time for it because we're, we've only got well, like one minute left. So what I would say is, John, thanks for talking to us as always. Look forward to seeing you. Hope those Sorry. trout are great. Oh, they will be. Well, I hope everyone keeps well. We're getting there, guys, so hang in. We are. We are indeed. Thank you, John. Thank you. All the best. And there he goes. It's good to know that uh, he's in the good books with uh, Franca at the moment. So he's going to be fed well, which is good. Carl. That sounded like an amazing meal. Yeah. I was a bit, <laughs> a bit jealous. Oh, me too. Look, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jealous of him too. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.